Chapter 23 of The Call of the Wildflower. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. The Call of the Wildflower by Henry Salt. Chapter 23 Flower Gazing in Excelsis. I gazed and gazed, but little thought what wealth the show to me had brought. Wordsworth There is no more inspiring pastime than flower-gazing under the high crags of Snowdon. The love of flowers reveals a new and delightful aspect of the mountain life, and leads its votaries into steeps and wilds which, as they lie aloof from the usual ways of the climber, might otherwise escape notice. It must be owned that our Cumbrian and Cambrian hills are not rich in flowers as Switzerland is rich. One cannot here step out on the mountainside and see great sheets of colour as on some alpine slope, and not only must we search for our treasures, but we must know where to search. They do not grow everywhere. Much depends on the nature of the soil, much on the altitude, much on the configuration of the hills. There are great barren tracts which bear little but heather and bilberry, but there are rarer beds of volcanic ash and calcareous rock which are a joy to the heart of the flower-lover. Again, one is apt to think that on those heights, where the winter is long and severe, it is the southern flanks that must be the haunt of the flowers. In reality, it is the northeast side that is the more favoured, owing to the fact that the hills, in both districts, for the most part rise gently from the south, or the southwest in gradual slopes that are usually dry and wind-swept, while northward and eastward they fall away steeply in broken and water-worn escarpments. It is here, among the wet ledges and rock-faces, constantly sprayed from the high cliffs above, where springs have their sources, that the right conditions of shade and moisture are attained, and here only can the alpines be found in any abundance. The precipices of Cum Idwal and Cum Glas in Wales, and in the Lake District, the east face of Helvellyn, may stand as examples of such rock gardens. The course of a climber is usually along the top of the ridge, that of the botanist at its base, his paradise is that less frequented region, which may be called the undercliff, where the screes begin to break away from the overhanging precipice, and where, in the angle thus formed, there is often a little track which winds along the hillside, sometimes rising, sometimes falling, but always with the cliff above and the scree slope below. Following this natural guidance, he may scramble around the base of the rocks, or along their transverse ledges, and feast his eyes on the many mountain flowers that are within sight, if not within reach. It is a fine sport, this flower-gazing, not only because all the plants are beautiful, and many of them rare, but because it demands a certain skill to balance oneself on a steep declivity while looking upward, through binoculars, at some attractive clump of purple saxifrage, or moss campion, or thrift, or rose root, or globe flower, as the case may be. 
To the veteran rambler especially, this flower cult is congenial, for it supplies, I will not say an excuse for not going to the top, but a less severe and exacting diversion, which still takes him into the innermost solitudes of the mountain, and keeps him in unfailing touch with its character and genius. I have spoken of Snowdonia in the spring. Let us now view it in the fullness of June or July, when its flora is at its richest. It is not till you have climbed to a height of about 2,000 feet that the true joys of the mountains begin. At first, perhaps, as you follow the course of the stream, you will see nothing more than a bunch of white scurvy grass or a spray of golden rod. But when you reach the region where the thin cascade comes sliding down over the moist rocks and the topmost cliffs seem to impend, then you will have your reward for you have entered into the kingdom of the Alpines. Suppose, for example, that you stand at the foot of the narrow ridge of Kribur-Gusko, a great precipice which overhangs the upper chambers of Kumglaz on the northern side of Snowdon, with an escarpment formed of huge slabs of rock intersected by wet gullies, narrow niches and transverse terraces of grass. Looking up, to where the creeb towers above, you will see a goodly array of plants. Thrift is there, in large clumps as handsome as on any sea cliffs. Rose root, the big mountain stone crop, cushions of moss campion, which bear the local name of Snowden Pink. Ladies' mantle, intermixed with the reddening leaves of mountain sorrel. Welsh poppy, not so common a flower in Wales as its name would suggest and at least three kinds of beautiful white blossoms, the starry saxifrage, the mossy saxifrage, and the shapely little sandwort, Aranaria verna, as fair as the saxifrages themselves, and what higher praise could be given? The flower-lover can scarcely hope for greater delight than that which the starry saxifrage will yield him. It has been well said that, one who has not seen it growing, say, in some rift of the rock exposed by the wearing of the mountain torrent, cannot imagine how lovely it is, or how fitly it is named. White and starry and saxifrage, how charming must that which has three such names be. Another lofty rock face, similar in its flora to that of Snowdon, is the precipice at the head of Cum Idval, near the point where it is broken by the famous chasm of the Devil's Kitchen. Hereabouts is the chief station of the Loidia, or Spiderwort, a rather rare and pretty alpine, a delicate lily of the high rocks, bearing solitary white flowers veined with red, and a few exceedingly narrow leaves that resemble the legs of a spider. Unlike most mountain plants, it has a considerable local reputation, and during its short flowering season in June, one may observe small parties of enthusiasts from Bangor or Carnarvon, diligently scanning the black cliffs above Lynn Idwal in the hope of spying it. The place where I first saw the Loidia in blossom was Cum Glas, but I had previously noticed its long, thin leaves in two or three places around the Devil's Kitchen. The haunts of the alpine meadow rue, Thalictrum alpinum, are similar to those of the spiderwort, 
and a most elegant little plant it is, its gracefully drooping terminal cluster of small yellowish flowers being borne on a simple naked stem, whereas its less aristocratic relative, the smaller meadow rue, Thalictrum colinum, which is much commoner on these rocks, is bushier and more branched. I had many disappointments before I rightly apprehended the true alpine species. Once distinguished, it cannot again be mistaken. It was to a chance meeting in Ogwen Cottage at the foot of Cum Idval with Dr. Lloyd Williams, a skilled botanist who had brought a party of friends to visit the home of the Lloydia, that I owed my introduction to another very beautiful inhabitant of those heights, the White Mountain Avons, known to rock gardeners as Dryas Octopetala. Happy is the flower-gazer who has looked on the galaxy, the milky way of those fair mountain nymphs, for the plant is in truth an oread rather than a dryad, where they shed their lustre from certain favoured ledges in a spot which it is safer to leave unspecified. I must have passed close to the place many scores of times in the forty or more years during which I had known the mountain, yet never till then did I become aware of the treasure that was enshrined in it. But of all the glories of Cum Idwal, rarities apart, the greatest, when the summer is at its prime, is the array of globe flowers. This splendid buttercup usually haunts the banks of mountain streams, or the sides of damp woods, in the west country and the north. Its range is given in the flora of the lake district as not rising above 900 feet, but in Snowdonia, not content to dwell with its cousins the kingcups and spearworts in the upland valleys, it aspires to a far more romantic station, and is seen blooming in profusion at twice and almost three times that height on the most precipitous rock ledges. One may gaze by the hour, enraptured and never weary of the sight. I have by no means exhausted the list of notable Snowdonian flowers that are native in the two localities of which I have spoken, or in a few other spots that are similarly favoured by geological conditions. The sea plantain, the mountain cudweed, the stone bramble, the queer little whitlow grass with twisted pods, Draba and Kana, its still rarer congener, the alpine rockcress, and the sorcerea, or alpine sawwort. All these, and more, are to be found there by the pilgrim who devotedly searches the scriptures of the hills. But of the sorcerea, some mention will have to be made in the next chapter, for it is now time to turn from Cambria to Cumbria, from the combs and cribs of Snowdon, to the coves and edges of Helvellyn. End of chapter 23